السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمد ونصلي على رسول الكريم welcome to all of my guests welcome to all of my viewers and welcome a special welcome to my guest السلام عليكم شيخ إمام بزلي لبران how are you today وعليكم السلام ورحمة بركات محمد الله أخي الحبيب بارك الله فيك um, so the Imam mashallah he's originally from New Jersey born and raised in New Jersey his roots are from Puerto Rico 100% Puerto Rican, as you can see from the background as well. Sure. Um, he's converted or reverted back in 1998. Alhamdulillah, he studied at Mishka University. And he's very active in da'wah, in the Hispanic community especially. He does a lot of programs with mass. With his, uh, He does a lot of humanitarian work, mashallah, philanthropy, with his uh, three Puerto Rican imams as well. And alhamdulillah, all throughout the course of you know the past 22 years or so, he's been consistently involved in da'wah. And philanthropy work, trying to help out everybody who he can. Sheikh, can you let us know a little bit more about yourself? I'm sorry, I didn't let the people know everything about you, but a little bit more. No, alhamdulillah. Um, you know, basic info, alhamdulillah, raised in a Christian household, as you mentioned, Pentecostal. Um, alhamdulillah, around, um, you know, lost teenage years, started looking for something around my age, uh, around the age of 20, alhamdulillah, found... Uh, Zulu Nation, um, which I was introduced to by a, a brother who was a foster child in my home, my mother's home. Um, and through there, a brother named Abdul Aziz, who I'm greatly indebted to, he took the time to, you know, care and give us the message of Tawheed, of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. And after, you know, sitting with him for a month or so and going back and reading the Bible in its completion and doing some intense study on the Bible and other religions. We were, we were, you know, we were studying all different types of religions at that time, Nation of Islam from, uh, you know, righteous teachings, 5% nation, um, all types of stuff trying to weed out what was the truth. And then eventually, you know, a few months later, we accepted Islam, alhamdulillah, and became Muslim, alhamdulillah. And then, you know, the journey started back then in 1998, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So uh, you, were, you were born and raised in a Pentecostal household? Correct. I see. Correct. Um, were you, uh, and you, you're from which city in New Jersey were you born? So I was born in Passaic, New Jersey. Passaic, New Jersey. You're, yeah. you're there again now, right? I'm back here. I came back in 2012. I left for six years. I lived in uh, Rockford, Illinois, about, you know, an hour from Chicago, um, Northwest and Alhamdulillah came back in 2012. Okay. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So how, you know, obviously I've, uh, my father, Alhamdulillah, I told you earlier before the program, my father, he's been speaking Spanish for over 45 years. He used to live in Panama and he told me that, you know, culturally, when anybody becomes a Muslim from a Latino background, um, it's, it's a shock to the family because it's something completely new. So how was it to your family, your, your reversion? So for my family, it was, a, it was also a complete shock. Um, <laughs> especially for the elderly in my family. So my grandmother and my aunties, you know, the Puerto Ricans, um, especially um, my generation, we have a very close-knit family. And for the most part, most Puerto Ricans do. But my generation, I think, you know, with the newer generations, you see that kind of the youth and, and their families have kind of, you know, separated or not as close as they used to be. I was raised by my grandparents. My grandparents were actually, you know, one of the first to come to the U.S. and kind of help the rest of the family come to the U.S., right? Um, so because of that, our family was very close-knit. So, you know, all of my aunts and my uncles, there's great respect, great love there. We have, you know, they basically helped raise me and the likes. So, you know, I think initially when I accepted Islam, 
where, you know, maybe I would put on a kufi every now and then. It was kind of like, okay, he just got some type of a hat on. They really didn't have, <laughs> they have no significance, right? They didn't know what it was. Yeah. Um, but when I showed yeah. up in the white crispy thobe, you know, that was like, oh, what's going on here? You know what I mean? One of two things are going on. Either he's a homosexual now, you know what I mean? Because he's wearing a dress, right? Which one of my aunts thought, she actually called my cousin, who's the the son of my wife's sister. My mother, my mother's a twin. So okay. you know, me and him kind of, we, 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 we have, we look alike a little bit. So I'm mean, like, he calls me and he's like, you know, cuz what's going on? My mother called me talking about you wearing dresses now and all of this. And <laughs> I'm like, no, no, like, slow down, man. I became Muslim. He's like, you know, what's that? You know, and we start to talk. Alhamdulillah. And about two years later, he accepts Islam. Wow. Maybe now it's Suleiman, Alhamdulillah. Um, but my other aunties, you know, they would see me and I would come and, you know, I got this stove on and they would like, you know, go and pick the bottom of the thobe up and he's like, you know, what you wearing under this dress? Why you got this on? You know what I mean? <laughs> Puerto Rican and, you know, now you became an Arab. What's, ha what's happening? You know, you know, left your culture, you left your faith and you left your culture. You left your people. You turned aside totally. You know what I mean? And at that point, I was so engrossed in trying to just really figure out how to leave my old way of life that I kind of just yeah. jumped into Islam and, and tried to change everything completely. Like, you know, I stood away from family. I changed the way I was dressing. You know what I mean? I started growing the beard, you know? Yeah. So uh, it was a lot of changes at one time. And it was a lot for my family, honestly. It was yeah. a lot for my family. And when they would approach me about it, I was like, listen, I don't want to hear it. Like, I'm, I'm a Muslim. I don't want to hear it. I'm guided. You guys are on some, you know, on Christianity that is false completely. You know what I mean? I was very zealous, you know, Bible in one hand <laughs> and in the other hand, you know. And at the same time, before that, you know, when we was learning all these other religions, we're learning all these different things. And at the same time, we're giving them was still not even being fully Muslim, right? Wow. Reading all of these other sources. Um, yeah. So, you know, we brought a lot of confusion <laughs> to the house. So finally, when we accepted Islam, it was like, well, you know, are you sure now? You know what I mean? Are you going to really stay this or not? You know, yeah. actually my mother kicked me out, you know, because um, wow. it became a little much, you know, it, we got into some heated battles and stuff like that. Yeah. And I left, but alhamdulillah, you know, my mother now, mashallah, you know, 20 years later, she accepts Islam, alhamdulillah. Mashallah. And, uh, you know, Allah guided her, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Allah, Allah helped you and Allah helped her out. Alhamdulillah. Uh, mashallah, mashallah. So, so, I mean, you know, that was that was your personal challenge. And one time I was approached by, there was a, a Colombian guy. He was painting our masjid. My dad hired him to paint the, during Ramadan, he hired him to paint the kitchen area. The kitchen okay. area generally gets dirty in the masjid. So he was painting. And so he asked me a question. He's like, can I become a Muslim? I said, yeah, you can become a Muslim. He's like, so he stood there and he, as he was painting, he saw some African-American people come in. He saw mm -hmm. a white brother come in. He saw, we actually have a Taiwanese brother come in. Mashallah. And he's like, wow, you guys have different different kinds of people here. He's like, but I don't see any Hispanic people. I was like, we're <laughs> waiting for you. So, so he's like, for, so like you said, for, for him, one of the main things is getting cut off by community and getting cut off by family. And that's one of the fears for certain Hispanic people or Latino people to become Muslim and how how would you address that? Like you deal with that on a daily basis. So, you know, from a few different angles, you know, we one, we tell the, the new Muslim kind of take it easy, right? Um, don't give your family that shock factor. Don't show up in the throne, you know what I mean? And change all of a sudden without really, you know, sitting down with them and, and, and telling them that you've been looking into this new faith and you're thinking about accepting the new faith, inshallah, and then allow them to ask questions. And because you're a new Muslim, you may not have all of the answers to those questions. So at that point, it's good to not invite, I won't invite any imam, right? <coughs> I would look for a da'i who's Latino like yourself that can come 
so that not only are they seeing that there are more Latinos, Muslims in the faith, but yeah. also you have Latino leadership and scholarship in the faith as well who are Muslim, right? <laughs> so a lot, a lot, I've gotten calls like that, even you know, for marriages where maybe a, actually next week I'm marrying a Pakistani brother and a Latina sister. Wow, mashallah. Subhanallah. So I told him one of the things I told him was when her family comes over, inshallah, I've done it in the past, let them come over. And what I do is during the marriage process, you know, after the marriage, I actually sit down and I have a Q&A with the family. Why? Because we're releasing you, releasing, they're releasing their daughter to you. And all they know is terrorism's on TV, terrorism on TV, bombs and everything, negative, yeah. violence. But we want to go ahead and clarify that their daughter is going to be completely safe. Mashallah, she's with a peaceful, loving man who's following a peaceful, loving religion, uh, religion inshallah ta'ala. So I mean, I, that's my suggestion, you know, kind of bring somebody forward who can help convey that message to your family inshallah and take it step by step if you know that your family the second second angle would be you know that your family is going to fight you completely because of wherever they may be religiously because we have from our culture some of our culture you know some of our people are very very religious and it's like you leave and it's like you've apostated and it's like look you know we're not trying to hear that you know you're probably gonna have to go as well so yeah. in that case we know that the companions they practice islam and secrecy for three years and then eventually they worked in and told their family. There's actually a a, a, a dai, uh, brother Rafa from Rafa, Mexico. yeah, yeah, brother Rafa from Mexico. His story is amazing. Yeah. He didn't tell his parents for about two three years, you know, Subhanallah, until he got accepted to the University of Medina. And then he told his parents, "Look, I got accepted to the University of Medina. I'll be going. You know, I always wanted to go ahead and study internationally." And, they, and then it was like, "But." Why Saudi Arabia? You know, you know what I mean. And then he was like, "Well, I haven't told you. You know, three years ago I accepted Islam. Subhanallah. You know, and alhamdulillah, it turned out to be a good situation for him. They they supported him, and mashallah, he has that support from his family as well. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. So you have both of those angles. You know, you have to really know when you feel comfortable, inshallah, ta'ala, to be able to make that move, and then just make sure that you use wisdom in every step of the way, inshallah, ta'ala, so that you can find that support from your family as well. Right. Brother Miguel, he sends his salam to you. Um, now there's a brother named brother i'm gonna put the question on there for you brother kevin b shaquille kevin i just sent you an email man <laughs> i sent you a message to facebook <laughs> connect with me man <laughs> i see so biggest uh, now you know obviously since he sent a question well i'll get you to answer it biggest struggle after becoming muslim now let's keep it general what is the biggest struggle for most people after becoming muslim that depends because everybody's different <laughs> okay. Everybody's different. My biggest, my biggest struggle. I'm not. I, I'm not going to front. We keep it real, right? My biggest struggle: yeah. alcohol and women. Wow, that was my biggest struggle. That's that's a tough one. Yeah, extremely. You know, and, and and for me, alcohol wasn't something that I did because it was just a routine to go out and have a good feeling. I actually enjoyed the taste of it, just like wow. someone enjoys to drink a Pepsi or yeah. something up. You know what I mean? I enjoyed to have a Corona with a lime in it. You know what I mean? That was like the best thing in the world for me back then. You know what I mean? Wow. So for me, it wasn't about the feeling. It was more about the taste. And, and, and it just drew a lot of problems for me. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, it put me in a lot of bad circumstances. Okay. So obviously becoming Muslim helped you out in that situation at least. Absolutely. By 19, I had two kids, right? Um, I, 19, I, I, you had two kids? By 19, I had two kids out of, out of wedlock, of course. Okay. You know what I mean? Out of wedlock, subhanAllah. Um, and a lot of that, you know, was due to alcohol and marijuana, man. You I know, see. You're intoxicated and things happen. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you got babies coming forth that you need to be responsible for. You know what I mean? Wow. And that happens to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, this is very, very eye-opening that obviously 
as as a born and raised Muslim myself, you know, comes from a Pakistani background where my family is obviously my dad came here when he was very young to America. He knows a lot of these dangers. So they they closed us off to these things. A lot of times they put on the blinders. So we may not have even seen these things up until the age of like 20 or 25 for some of us. Subhanallah. So it's like, you know, eye opening when somebody shares a story like that or even the smart, small participle that, you know. But how was but how was it for you guys when you seen it at 2025? I mean, honestly speaking, it, you know, it was uh, something by that point in time, my journey is, you know, my parents, they sent me to Pakistan for a little bit of time okay. to okay. do house. I was born and raised here, but I went there for like a year. Then I came back and I went to Atlanta and I studied there and I completed my house. And I stayed in contact with ulama all throughout the course of my life. So, you know, basically, I knew it was something bad. And then when you go to college, you see the circumstances of what happens when somebody comes into class with a hangover. And yeah. then I, I had a food truck and we used to sell food in the on the weekends in the area where they had bars and clubs. And it was all halal food. Uh, but that was the place to make money on the weekends. And yeah. I would see, obviously, this is two years ago or so. And I would see all of the Muslim people who would go to bars and clubs on weekends, so come in drunk, trying to get food. They're happy they're getting halal food, but the drunk is <laughs> drunk. Um, and, stuck for and, and, you would, and you would see certain people, they couldn't even communicate because they were that drunk and they would be like, oh, assalamu alaikum, how are you, brother? So on and so forth. And they would feel guilty at that point in time because they'd be like, oh, imam, I feel so guilty that I'm doing this. It's like, And then, you know, you give slow, slow dawah. You're like, you know, just this is not good. Maybe, maybe you should do something else. Or you ask them something nice. You're like, oh, have you, did you go to Juma this week? You don't say it in a mm. negative way. Did you go mm. to Juma this week? No, no, Sheikh, this week I didn't go. Maybe next week I'll go. Alhamdulillah, go next week. So, you know, mm. you just try to slowly, slowly give dawah. Mashallah, and that's from wisdom, man. Mashallah, Allah reward you, akhi. Uh, wallahi, akhi, because in many instances, you find that if you find a brother or a sister and they, you know, the wrong person bumps into them in that state, they're, yeah. you know, stuck for Allah, you know what I mean? How kind of Muslim are you? You know what I mean? Yeah. You're fucking you this, you that, and further push that individual away into that nonsense. And I can tell you that's how it was for me in the beginning. In the beginning months when I accepted Islam, yeah. I was still drinking, I was still smoking, I was still partying with the kufi in my head as well, you know what I mean? And then I would come out. And I would feel bad, man. I, you know, something inside me would just feel bad. I'm like, subhanAllah, Allah guided me and gave me this guidance. And I'm still throwing this nonsense, you know, until eventually I gave it all up. And, you know, I was like, khalas, I'm not going to do this no more, you know. Okay. So um, a, a few weeks ago or maybe two months ago, we had some customers come into the store. And like I said, my dad, he's um, Spanish speaking. He has a lot of respect from the Hispanic community here. Um, they come to our store. And a lot of times they'll talk about religion. They'll see my dad dressed up and they'll be like, obviously one of the things which I told you is they'll ask us, Senor Hindu, you know, what's going on? What 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 is your religion? <laughs> um, so, you know, what is the reason why Latino people a lot of times they mix up? I guess it comes from Pakistani Indian people where they mix up Hindu with Muslims and they're trying to figure out Arab, Hindu, Muslim. What What is the reason behind that? I think there's a uh, probably a couple of reasons. Now I thought about another one. You know, SubhanAllah, one, like I, like I was telling you when we was offline, that I, in my town, Pasek, especially um, with the last name Patel, yeah. is, it's a huge Hindu, you know what I mean, community. Yeah. Excuse me. We have a huge Hindu community. I went to school with a bunch of Patels, you know what I mean, and I knew them to be Hindu. And then later on, now that I'm Muslim, I'm meeting Patels. They're a Muslim, yeah. like yourself, right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. And then the others, and, and you know, the Hindus, for the most part, they own a lot of grocery stores. Yeah. So you know, and and the, and and usually they're in the inner city, 
You know what I mean? They got grocery stores in the hood, you know what I mean? And stuff like that. So you have a lot of interaction with them. So naturally, you know what I mean? Being people who have only dealt with one generation and one type of people, you know, you kind of stigmatize them and put everybody into that, into that bucket. Same thing when they see the Sikhs, right? When they see the Sikhs, yeah. it's like, oh, you know what I mean? These are Muslims instead, right? Because they got the turban on, but they can't tell the difference on how they wear the turban and we wear the turban, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they kind of fall into the, the the Muslim bashing and they get beat up and get jumped and stuff like that when they're not even Muslim, subhanAllah. <laughs> so I think people just kind of categorize based on their ignorance, um, yeah. based on their upbringing and based on how, you know, the interaction that they've had with individuals, you know what I mean, within their life and in, you know, in the cities and in the towns that they live in, inshallah. So there's, there's a, a restaurant near my house. It's owned by a brother, um, what's it called? Uh, he's uh, he's a Muslim brother from Syria, I believe, and he's opened like six or seven, you know, chicken wings and you know halal restaurant. So he has a brother who works there. I've known the brother for a while. His name is Brother Ahmed. Um, and all the, the rest of the working crew there, a, a majority of the people who live in this area, the Hispanic um, brothers and uh, the Hispanic community that lives here, they're either from Mexico, Guatemala, or Honduras. Okay. So so majority of the kids who work there uh there's a friend of mine he says i love the background he loves sure. your um and he has a question inshallah we'll get into that question after this but um so they they're from those countries so this brother ahmad he works there and they like to call him joe and he keeps on telling them call me ahmad and we actually have we actually have a customer at chapin his name is ahmad as well he's not muslim but his name is ahmad. so when when the guy his name is i believe his name was marvin we were talking with him and uh, he's, I believe his, his family's from Mexico. So we were talking and we were trying to explain to him that there's a lot of, you know, correlation or a lot of similarities between the Arab, you know, culture, we'll say, not, you know, religiousness, but the Arab culture and the Hispanic or, you know, the descendants of the Spaniards, so on and so forth, where we started explaining to him the diets are very similar. Um, a lot of words, like I said, I said to Ahmed, brother Ahmed, he's from Jordan. I said to him, I said, like, what do you guys call rice in Arabic? He says, Arus. I was like, what do you call it in Spanish? He's like, Aruz. I was like, what do you call it? Sugar. So we went on. We spoke, we said a few words, pants, shirt, different things like that. And he's like, wow, I didn't, I didn't ever think of that. So could you, you know, lay some, you know, ideology or give us some wisdom, like how this all comes together? So Alhamdulillah, you know, just because of um, you know, Islam ruling over Spain for such a long time, and then Spain coming and colonizing a lot of the Caribbean and South America and things of that nature, along with the slaves coming in, the African slaves into these parts, you'll find that there is a huge presence of Islam in most of our countries, right? Um, and then you'll find that, like you mentioned in the language in this, between Spanish, there's about 10,000 plus words that they say the roots are found in the Arabic language. Wow, you go also within our countries and you'll find that the architecture, a lot of it is Muslim architecture from the tiles to the arches, right? To to a lot of different things you'll find in Shalatah. Within the different countries, you'll find beautiful Islamic architecture, right? Um you you and, and then you see subhanAllah as well that if you if you look at culturally in terms of you'll find it, a lot of the practices of the Prophet and how you treat the guests, right? You'll find that that's exactly you know being Especially like the Arab, you know, the Arab are very, mashallah, when it, you go to the Arab's house, they like put their whole refrigerator out in front of you, mashallah. You know, <laughs> they got 20 sodas in front of you, you know what I mean? They don't take all of the stuff out the cupboards and the cabinets and put it all in front of you. And you're like, subhanAllah. That was my experience as a Muslim, you know, I'm like, brother, you know, you have to take it all out. It's only two of us here, you know? He's like, no, 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 we have to honor the guests. 
you know, you have a lot of Spanish people that are, that are the same way. Um, you know, if you look at the Dominican, just if you look at Dominicans in general, they have, most of them have like an open door policy. I, I have my neighbors, they were Dominican, um, and the front door always remained open and people just would come in and out, in and out, in and out. It's like, you know what I mean? And as soon as you enter their house, it's like coffee, tea, food, you know what I mean? And right away they begin to treat, uh, you know, treat you. There are also the issues of the elderly, you know what I mean? Maintaining the elderly and taking care of the elderly, the position of the parents, right? So you're going to find a lot of the teachings that are found Islamically are actually found culturally within our cultures. And this is why I tell people often, you know, whenever they become Muslim or when we're giving them dawah, you're not leaving your way of life at all. Rather, you're just enhancing some of your belief in terms of Isa and putting him in his proper place and you're keeping everything else. You get rid of very little haram and you keep the rest of your culture. And this is why, you know, mashallah, you know, everywhere I go, I got the banners, you know what I mean, to show that mashallah, we are proud to still be Puerto Rican and proud to be from the Caribbean and proud to be Spanish and Latino, alhamdulillah. And we haven't changed those things. And this is why now, mashallah, you don't find me really wearing a thobe because I want to make sure that my people recognize that, look, you know, we can still dress in the guayabera, you know, some slacks and some shoes and maybe an old, you know, a nice hat, you know what I mean? And still be religious and Muslim. Alhamdulillah, and hold on to the values that Islam gives us, inshallah, ta'ala. So, so one of the, uh, what's it called? One of the things, a lot of times people, they come into the store and the sticking point for them does become Hazrat Isa alayhi salam, Jesus, eh, what's it called? Maryam alayhi salam. And you know, those basically become the sticking points where they're like, well, your beliefs, we can't, uh, first of all, they don't know we believe in Hazrat Isa. Yeah, exactly. You don't and, believe in Jesus, they tell you. You guys deny Jesus. You tell them, they're like, oh, what do you mean? So, so could you explain how that works and how is it? How can we explain it? Yeah, so you know what, Isa, Isa and, and, and Maryam are going to be the key points when it comes to Latinos because of the love they have for them. You know, and then again, you have to look at what sect they come from. Are they Christian? You know, are they Catholics? Are they Pentecostal? Are they Seventh Day Adventists? Are they this? Are they that? Right before you begin to talk to them and give them dawah, why? Because, uh, like I'll tell you, the Pentecostals they declare the Catholics to be mushrikeen. Right? They declare the Catholics to be mushrikeen, idol worshippers, and the like. So you know, you wouldn't talk to them the same way. Um, just like um, you know, uh, you have other sects that you know don't believe that Isa is. God, they believe that he is a messenger of, of God, but that you, there still has to be some, you know, going through him, you know, what I mean, for intercession and the likes. So one of the main points immediately is to let them know, like here in, in a little town called Union City, we got some Venezuelan Palestinians, mashallah, a Palestinian brother who was born in Venezuela, alhamdulillah, he speaks Spanish fluently, alhamdulillah, the whole family. Um, and they have a shop where they sell like uh, car equipment. Oh, so in the front of his shop, he has a big screen TV, it always has verses of the Quran in Spanish. Wow. He always has the Quran playing in Spanish, and you never leave his shop except that he puts a pamphlet in your in, in, in Spanish inside of your inside of your bag because ninety percent of the town is you know Latino. Wow. Subhanallah. So you'll see that Subhanallah. You know the first thing they ask is you know well what about Jesus? And he's like yes, we have a whole chapter in the Quran dedicated to to Mary. And they're like what? Yeah. A whole chapter. Jesus declared the you know five one of the five greatest prophets sent to mankind. We believe that he was born miraculously. We believe that he had the miracles of curing the leper, the sick, and the like. And as you go telling them these things, they're like shocked. It's like it's like an immediate shock, right? And then now they, they're going through that process of trying to get past, is this person telling me the truth or, 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 what, or what's going on? You know, and this and that's where it's nice if you have like a Quran to actually open it up 
and show them, you know, the capital of the Maria, you know, I mean, the chapter of Mary, and you kind of read to them some of the verses of Jesus. And then really the whole issue now just would get to, after that, basically talking about Jesus worshiping God, right? And, and those verses where Jesus prostrated and he prayed and he supplicated and he asked of God and the people recognizing him in the Bible, as they said, you know, the messenger has come. You know, what I mean, Jesus, the son of Mary, where he was never called God and then kind of driving them to the Tawheed, inshallah, ta'ala, and making them recognize that this whole concept of the son of God, you know, it doesn't exist because the son. They talked about sons prior to Jesus. You know what I mean? You had David will be the first son of God. Solomon will be called the son of God. Right. And when you start to bring all of these things out to them. It begins to open up their minds. And a lot of them, matter of fact, you know, you have some, the elderly are the more religious, but a lot of them nowadays are kind of fed up with Christianity and have been looking for something different. So when you get those individuals, mashallah, they're open to having that discussion with you and, and, and realizing, you know, where are the things that I should be believing in? And you give them a Quran and for the most part, you'll find that subhanAllah, they'll read it. And you have, this is why you have such a mass conversion now from, you know, of Latinos entering the fold of Islam as the fastest or the quickest growing nationality or ethnicity of people, you know what I mean, in the world, basically. Yeah, Alhamdulillah, like we have, uh, you you came down to North Carolina, you bro met Brother Harun, so Brother Harun's Quran stand, we actually have one in our store. And nice. we, have the, we have the Hispanic pamphlets, we have the, uh, the Spanish Qurans, and then we also have a TV, I put up a TV some time ago, and we used to have advertisements on it, but now whenever anybody comes in, anybody has a question, it's a huge TV, so we just put on Surah Maryam on there. And nice. we, my dad goes through it with them, like worse by worse, and it's humongous. So, you know, you, they can see the verses, they can see the translation, and, you know, everything is there for them to look through. And, and But yes, obviously, man. one of the things about it is we need to have, um, I, I can't say we need to have, but we need to have somebody educated like yourself or many of the other scholars who are from Latino backgrounds to be able to understand, comprehend, and give da'wah properly. Because one of the problems I feel becomes is we don't understand that difference in you know catholic pentecostal you know many different you know i don't know if i call it virgins or many different what's it called um what do you call the sex yes yeah, sex of uh what's it called christianity um mm -hmm. where we won't understand the the particulars but you will because you know the background absolutely absolutely yeah and, and you know and that's actually one of our goals man at uh y Islam, right uh, one of my yeah. positions you know, one of my roles that I play with Y Islam as the National Hispanic Coordinator is that we're trying to, we have a big push now, you know I mean, as part of a long-term 10-year plan of how we can begin to, alhamdulillah, one, give these Dawa training seminars in the Spanish language so that people can begin to learn these differences, inshallah, and learn how to maneuver and answer questions and have these dais come about that can be hired in these different states, inshallah, and can be like those leaders, inshallah, who will take care of that. So alhamdulillah, like, you know, you know, like where you're at, you'd have one Latino, mashallah, who he would be hired just to, he would be the person to go to, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then build it up. And then from there, you kind of bring more people on, inshallah ta'ala. Because honestly, you know, I remember I was driving around with Harun in the Quran band. That yeah. they had, right. So we're driving around with him and the brother that, that actually does the deliveries, man. I forgot his name. Subhanallah. Naji. 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 Yeah. Nah. So I'm driving. Naji's driving. Naji picked me up from the airport. I'm driving around with Naji. And subhanallah, twice. We stop at a red light, someone beeps the horn, and he was like, I need a copy of the Quran. SubhanAllah, because they see the, the Quran and we give yeah. free Quran. Naji lowers the window, grabs the Quran, and hands it to them. SubhanAllah, it happened twice. So I was like, yo, this is this idea is brilliant, mashallah. We should have these English, Spanish, you know what I mean? Have them all over the yeah. place. 
because people are actually searching subhanAllah and they're curious alhamdulillah and these things mashallah they, you see that they kind of step forward and ask for these things and then mashallah you kind of engage them inshallah so one of the things that you know we, we we make that call you know so if you're a person that thinks mashallah amongst the latino muslims things that mashallah you have that passion you have that desire yeah. that you want to be that individual inshallah it doesn't matter what state you live in reach out to me inshallah email lebron at gmail.com you can reach out to me on facebook inshallah as well you know instagram whatever means you have and yeah. just hit me up and say listen brother lebron you know i would love to you know learn and be that person and volunteer initially inshallah ta'ala until i can you know mashallah have the skills and hopefully be a person who can dedicate their life to that inshallah ta'ala. and i could say it's the best job in the world man there's no better job than inviting to the way of allah ta'ala. Yeah. so so my friend brother heather he had a question and obviously you're a scholar we're not we don't have to just talk about the latino experience but you know uh i, I didn't mean to you know obviously with the title i didn't mean to pigeonhole it but you know obviously so you can shed some light for all of us but his question is right here if you want to take a look at it so what's your suggestion to college kids struggling to stay away from the temptations and there's a second part to it give me a second okay and how do we convey this message to friends who struggle as well okay so it's a two-part question so the first question in terms of suggestions for college kids struggling to stay away from the temptations there's a few things man i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna suggest here one and probably the most important of them is that the community needs to take on a bigger role and have a bigger vision our uncles and with all of the respect in the world mashallah because alhamdulillah first i'm going to say the african americans alhamdulillah they were the fortification of islam in the us we can't deny that after after the african americans mashallah put up that struggle you know what i mean from the nation to wardin and the likes inshallah ta'ala um, then the uncles, mashallah, came in and they really invested, right? Mashallah, they got, they became professionals and they really invested in building masajids and building centers, alhamdulillah. And now we have these centers all over the place, alhamdulillah. Initially, a lot of the centers were places that were culturally centered on how to preserve our, you know, their families and their faith, which is understandable, right? You want to preserve your family and your faith before anything, especially when you come to a new land. Um, but now we have second third generation muslims being raised here in america inshallah ta'ala and now some of this second and third generation sometimes fourth generation they are being lost in the america right in the in the americas that they were being they, they're, they're being raised in and i believe now it's because alhamdulillah the vision of our uncles were established the masjid islam the salah in the light and that has been done alhamdulillah i think now they need to kind of pass on the baton to new visionaries in the community, mashallah, like yourself, Brother Asad, and others, who now can say, still maintaining under their guidance, right, because you don't want to push them to the side, because we have either two issues. We have the young guys, or, you know, the young, the youth who step up and say, well, you know, we don't want the older folk around at all. We just want to handle it, you know, or you have the older folks saying, we don't want the youth around, get out, you know what I mean? You guys don't know what you're doing, you know what I mean? Get away. But we want to balance. We want to balance where you still have the guidance of the elders, mashallah, because they have the wisdom, alhamdulillah, and they have the experience that a lot of us don't have, you know, in the years, alhamdulillah. And then you want to use the youth and their vision, their, their, the, the visionaries. Why? Because we're living in different times. Right now you have internet and, you know, even myself, we didn't have this when I accepted Islam 23 years ago. We didn't have 
Facebook and Instagram. We had AOL dial up, you know, like these things didn't exist, man. You know, we didn't have, we didn't have, you know what I mean? We didn't have YouTube and everything on our phone. You know what I mean? We had to walk around with little cassette players, you know what I mean? And maybe CD players, you know, they used to skip and jump every time you bounced and ran, right? So it's a different generation, alhamdulillah, but you let this generation and they know how to maneuver in this generation, how to best reach out, right? So one of the things that these communities need to do is that part of these massages now, they have to invest in focusing on the youth. You need some youth community, community or community oriented people, alhamdulillah, who are leaders among the youth and are respected among the youth. Take them, pay them. Give them a job, inshallah ta'ala. Let them come into the community and begin to do programs, right? Allow them to have a space in the community. If they don't have a space, then I think a few different massages, because sometimes money-wise and monetarily it becomes difficult, a few different massages, put some funds together and open up a Muslim YMCA, right? So that there's another resource for our youth. Because I'll tell you honestly, is a few years back, maybe not a few years, about 15 years ago, we had one of the masjids that were mostly, mostly Jordanian brothers. We had a brother who was Palestinian, Jordanian. He was the biggest drug dealer, Muslim, biggest drug dealer in Patterson, New Jersey. All right. His name was Omar. And he had a whole bunch of the Arab kids selling drugs underneath him. The parents didn't know what to do. Omar comes to our masjid. We was a masjid full of converts, right, and reverts. And Omar's like, listen, I want to change my life. And we just begin banging Omar. Yo, oh, you gotta do this, and you gotta do like that, and you gotta do like this. Come to the masjid, hang out, chill, come out with us, paintball. We do this, we do that, you know what I mean? And we really, you know what I mean, grabbing them and pulling them off the street. And alhamdulillah, he had such a pool with the youth that he ended up going because where they were at was this, this, you know, Jordanian masjid. Where and and he said, listen, we're gonna go and spend our time in the masjid. And he began taking these drug dealers off the street and bringing them to the masjid. Mashallah. And they was coming. And then when they went to the masjid, the uncles was like, listen, the masjid is not for the youth. Get out of here. You can't be here till 2 o'clock in the morning. Why not? Leave them in the masjid till 2 o'clock in the morning. It's either they're going to be in the masjid or they're going to be on the street selling drugs. Where do you prefer yeah. them to be? I prefer them to be in the masjid. Salim and mashallah, the sakin and the tranquility and the, and the huda is there. Subhanallah, right? So I think our uncles, inshallah ta'ala, need to see that this is important in this time. I don't know anywhere in America that we have a Muslim YMCA, right? We have some nice, mashallah, we have some community centers that now, mashallah, have focused on youth. Alhamdulillah, yeah. you got Sheikh Abu Zaid in Denver. Alhamdulillah, they, you know, they bought a center with a pool and some other things and stuff like that so that the kids and the youth can have some activities. But I think that is first, right? In yeah. terms of the college kids, you know, again, um, you need somebody who can connect with them and be real with them. They're going to go through a bunch of different things and trials. And need somebody who's going to understand them and have wisdom when you talk to them because they're going to yeah, make yeah. a bunch of mistakes. You know, I go, I go to the colleges often and I sit down and I give talks often. And you know, I have a sister, I, you know, I had a sister one time say, Listen, Shake, I got a problem. I'll be in the park smoking weed with hijabi niqabis. You know what I mean? The niqabis in the puffin. You know what I mean? SubhanAllah. And alhamdulillah, you give them some advice, man, and you really try to get them to love Allah and His Messenger. And eventually, through that love of Allah and His Messenger, they, they begin to kind of stay away from that. You know, one another thing is supporting the MSAs in the colleges. You know, if you master, if there's a college in your area, the masjid should support the MSAs, see what they need in terms of funds and, and the like, inshallah ta'ala, to help, mashallah, motivate that the MSA gets to work and does the work and do some programming, things of this nature, because that's that's one of the methods, methods inshallah ta'ala. In terms of, uh, uh, as well, the second question, you know, the second part of the question, how do we convey not to take up all the time? 
um, on the question, how do we convey this message to friends who are struggling? Is the same, man. You know, you're, you're a therapist. You're a therapist, and you, you really need to listen. Um, and don't be so judgmental. And then figure out, you know, how, again, to just instill the love of Allah and his messenger in the heart of this person. You know what I mean? Because even during the time of the prophet, you had some who drank. And when the prophet, the companions were like, yeah, Rasulullah, let's, let, us, let us go ahead and put the hudud on him. The prophet said, leave him. He loves Allah and he loves his messenger, right? Leave him. Yeah. Subhanallah. You know, and then in time you see that, he, you know, the person changes, right? So the same thing with our brothers and sisters who are struggling. Be there for them emotionally. Be there for them monetarily, inshallah, they need some assistance and help. You know, the masjid, you know, some brothers and sisters, they struggle this way because, you know, they end up out in the street totally. You know what I mean? Either homeless or, you know what I mean, don't really have any family, you know what I mean, or they have drug addictions. Where are they going to go? Because really, you know what I mean, most of the places that they go to are Christian-based, right? So when you go there, you have to go ahead and attend church. You got to attend sermons. You got to attend these different things. So the Muslims don't want to go there, right? In our masjid, the masjid I used to be a part of uh, in Patterson, New Jersey, masjid Ansar Sunnah, we had people break drug habits in the masjid. You want dope, come to the masjid. We're going to put brothers to sit with you, right? They put brothers, the imam will put brothers to sit with them three days, four days, five days, whatever it's going to take a week. They're going to rotate. You're not, they're going to make sure you don't leave the masjid. They're going to make sure when you get sick, they're there to take care of you. We got your back. We want to help you leave this stuff. You know, I know but it, it, it takes an individual to have that love for a human being, right? And that love for his brother, as the prophet said, said, you don't believe until you love for your brother, what you love for yourself. And you, mashallah, you love that you're not an addict. If you love that, mashallah, you have a roof over your head. You know, you love that, mashallah, you guided and you got a family. Then you got to love that for your brother. Just because they're in a bad state, it doesn't mean they're a bad person. You know what I mean? It just means they may probably have went through some bad things in their life, inshallah, and they just need some help to get up out of that. And oftentimes when you extend that hand to a person, they're taken. You know, I was in that position. I was in a bad state. You know what I mean? I, I was selling drugs. I was drinking. I was smoking weed. I was probably one of the worst moments in my life. I almost died two or three times. And when Abdul Aziz, he put that hand out, I grabbed onto that hand. You know what I mean? It was like, you know, yeah, we need help. You know what I mean? And then after that, I began asking Allah. Alhamdulillah. And then after that, I went to the masjid and, and the same masjid, masjid on Salah Sunnah, was the masjid that helped me. I became good friends with the imam. Them brothers pulled me in, you know what I mean? Kept me close. You know what I mean? They didn't let me stray too far until they knew that I was solid. Alhamdulillah. And then I, could, I, then I became a source like they were. For me, I became a source for other people like that as well. You know what I mean? So I think that's important, inshallah. So, so Brother Miguel, he said uh, a drop-in center, if possible, for males and females. What is a drop-in center? I'm not, maybe uh, Miguel can explain it. Maybe I, I I would understand it. Maybe if, you know, maybe I'm not sure if he means a place where probably, you know, people who have issues can kind of come through, deal with those issues, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, I, I would say it as well that there's some privacy reserved for it, inshallah, some help, you know what I mean? You kind of, you got some social workers, Muslim social workers, you got an imam, some spiritual guidance, you know, where they can kind of come and get all these different things, inshallah, and benefit. And then kind of, you know, um, you kind of, are putting them back into the society and helping them out, inshallah. Okay. Way too often we want to help the people who are, don't don't really need help. You know what I mean? When it's the people that need help and struggle, you don't see too many messages going down that route. Brother Miguel said you answered the question. So he said yes, exactly. And yes. Brother Heather said Jazakallah khair for the answer. Well, um, yeah. So so over here, like I, I recently, I've been working for Helping Hand now, Alhamdulillah, for like the past three, four months. Okay, I recently got hired by them. So Alhamdulillah, we do have some projects we do in, uh, I believe in Mexico as well. Um, where we help out humanitarian projects. 
Um, but like this past week, we were doing the clothing drives. So we were collecting the clothing. So Alhamdulillah, I was about to, I was able to get eight to ten of the youth of our locality to nice. come help load the truck up, so on and so forth. And then we just started recently. We started a, a food a food donation program where people will donate food and we'll give it to the in our local community, Muslims and non-Muslims. Uh, not it's not just for Muslims and it's not just for non-Muslims. It's for whoever needs to help. So so basically, what you're saying, like like you're saying, we need to get the people involved. You gotta get uh, active, and that's one of the main things. You gotta get them active. The new mashallah, they they're amazing, actually. Wallahi, yeah. some of the stuff that they come up with and the ideas they come up with, mashallah, and things that they put together, they're amazing, actually. If you give them the chance, they'll 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 surprise you. You know what I mean? And and how far they can actually take your vision and your mission and your ideas, inshallah. Ta'ala. And making them active like that is, is is very important, especially you know like helping hand, mashallah, helping hand. I actually went with helping hand to um, Ecuador, and oh, how after the earthquake that happened a few years back. Oh, okay. We were there 20 days, mashallah, um, Sheikh Yahya Sukiya from Ecuador, mashallah, and uh, was an amazing journey. But if you can even bring youth on stuff like that, right? These are type types of things that impact the people's lives, inshallah, and allows them to see how much blessings Allah has placed in their own life. You know, when you go and you see buildings on the floor, you know what I mean? You smell death in the air, you know, and they're like, subhanAllah, we didn't have to go through this. You know, this impacts them. They come back home different, inshallah ta'ala, and then they impact their friends, right? Because this is the most important thing, right? If you can impact a, a, one of the youth or have the youth that can impact each other, you have to use them. Because oftentimes, Ali radiallahu anhu, he says, right, um, deal with them according to their time because their time is different from your time, right? We have a generational gap that exists. I, I can't I can't deny I'm 43 years old. I, I don't think like a 20-year-old. I may want to be one, <laughs> but I'm not there. And that's the reality. And 20-year-olds think very millennials are different, right? So alhamdulillah, using them to kind of just do the work, they're going to better impact and affect, you know what I mean, people of their own age range than we are. Inshallah, we just got to let them do it. So, so tell us a little bit about three Puerto Rican imams. What is, how did this start? What's the ideology behind it and what are you guys doing? I mean, I've I've seen the, you know, you keep sharing the picture of a truck. And wow. is that a real truck? That was a real truck, yeah. Oh, that is a real truck. Mashallah, <laughs> real I didn't truck. know. <laughs> so, tell us something. Let us know. What is this? So, alhamdulillah, the, 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 the methodology and, and the mission statement is based on the ayah of the Quran. And we have not sent you except as a mercy to all of mankind. So this is why our vision and our mission statement is be a mercy and live to impact. And the three Puerto Rican imams basically came um, forward because of the devastation that took place in 2017 with Hurricane Maria um, and the devastation of Puerto Rico, where me, Sheikh Yusuf Rios and Imam Daniel Hernandez, um, you know, me being from kind of the east, north, uh, Imam Yusuf Rios from the south of Puerto Rico and then Imam Daniel Hernandez from the west, um, we said, listen, we have to do something for our people. This is the time to step up and show that Islam really, Muslims really care about their people and that we, mashallah, have that love of country and people. And we decided to open up a 501c3, which is called Misericordia para la Humanidad, Mercy for Humanity. And then the project, which is under Mercy for Humanity, is the three Puerto Rican Imams projects. And both are registered under that 501c3. Um, and we decided to start fundraising, alhamdulillah, and we raised a nice amount of money, alhamdulillah, and we're able to go in and out of Puerto Rico for about a year and a half, 
helping working with grassroots organizations. So we found the people who were out in the streets doing the work and we were like, what do you need? And we would supply them, we would show up, we would help them. And every 20 days or so, we would come in for 10 days and we would basically already have a plan in place. And we hit about 42 of the 70 semi-municipalities in Puerto Rico. And alhamdulillah, we actually got recognized by the Senate's uh, department, the Senate in the capital in, in Puerto Rico, inshallah, for the work that we did. And then basically that grew, that effort grew, or, or that passion of wanting to help people, like the project Salem help people, grew into something else. And then alhamdulillah, we helped Masjid Shadid um, in Haiti to build the solar panel system that they got on their masjid to help build their parking lot. We sent money to Hawaii after the devastation in Hawaii. Alhamdulillah, we went to Guatemala after the volcano of fire. We actually also built a bridge in Ixcan, Guatemala, um, that was uh, damaged completely from a, a an indigenous community being able to get to the main um, city where they would do their, their 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 business and be merchants and stuff like that. So we sent money down there, and they actually called the bridge the Bridge of Islam. Alhamdulillah. So this is, they actually titled it El Puente del Islam, subhanAllah. And then they put, you know, like a thanks to the three Puerto Rican imams and the doctor, the Muslim doctor who actually helped us to find, you know, who presented the project to us and then we funded the project. And then we started doing things locally, right? Because, you know, we believe in the local as well as the international, inshallah ta'ala. So locally we began to do programs and the truck actually was from COVID. Um, that was a few months back, uh, a couple of months back. We decided that, you know, we wanted to do something um, in my city where I live. And, you know, my wife is a teacher. And one of the things we noticed right away is that um, all of the, you know, we have a huge Mexican population here as well, you know, that has grown over the last decade. Um, a lot of them began losing their jobs. And then, you know, these people got five kids, eight kids, 10 kids, 12 kids in their homes. They got huge families, you know, and it's like, where is the food going to come from? So um, we partnered up with a, a non-Muslim organization called Anita's Dream Catchers. Um, a good friend of mine as well who works for the Board of Education, um, along with other churches and um, religious institutions and, you know, some of the people, you know, from the police department and the likes that wanted to help out. And we bought a 53-foot trailer from Feeding the Children, alhamdulillah, and we were able to feed the entire projects. Wow. You know, we're talking about 5,000 people over 600 families in the projects, how many that we were able to feed with that project. And then we did we did one for the elderly as well, where we fed 300 families of elderly, you know, within three or four edifices that, you know, only housed elderly people so that they wouldn't have to go out and worry about catching COVID, you know, I mean, while they go out shopping to, to Walmart and the likes. So I mean, that it's a project that is really uh, close to our hearts um, that, you know, anytime something happens, we try to show up and just give what we can, man. You know, and sometimes it's just, you know, giving that small box and sitting there listening to that person is one of the best forms of da'wah that you can do. You know, the Muslims showed up and they would ask us, you know, like, why did you come? You know, it's like, subhanAllah, because we care for you. We love you. And you got that old lady who's 80 years old and doesn't have family and she hugs you. And she's like, now you're my son. You know, subhanAllah. And it was a Muslim who showed up. And now when she sees and it's on the TV, Oh, Muslims are like this. And it's like, how? You know, I mean, these people came when no one, when FEMA didn't want to show up, these brothers then came and drove into areas that was dangerous. I can tell you, like with Puerto Rico, subhanAllah, we went down cliffs and mountains that we wasn't supposed to go down, and we made it down by the by, by the by the permission of Allah Taala. We could have died in some of those in some of those moves that we made. You know, but alhamdulillah, we showed up and you know we, we thought it was necessary for the Muslims to show up and show that they care. And this is what Islam does, it impacts the world. So so alhamdulillah, that's so great. And you know, obviously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept everything you guys do. I mean um 
so you guys do humanitarian work. So what is what is what is the day in the life? Now, obviously, one question. One of my friends he had a question. He kept asking, "Why is the how is the sheikh's name LeBron?" Is you know what's up with this? Well, that's your <laughs> last name. I know that, but you know, yeah. it's a Hispanic last name. So what happens is that LeBron James yeah. messed it up for me. <laughs> I'm older than he is, so the name got to get credited back to me, not him. You know, he's just making the money. I'm not. So. <laughs> Because LeBron James showed up, everybody reads it as LeBron. Okay. And it's not LeBron. It's LeBron. LeBron. Okay. LeBron. And it comes from French roots. Okay. It comes from the from the Spaniard French roots. Um, inshallah ta'ala. Um, so just the pronunciation is off. And this is why you get an accent over the O. I don't have it up there now, but you have an accent over the O. So it's actually LeBron. So yeah. you know, LeBron is like more of an American, African-American name that is used. But Lebron is a, is a Spanish name that goes back to, to Spain and, 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 and France and the likes. Yeah, there's, a, there's a guy who works at the bank. I believe he's from, I think he's from, uh, I think he's from Salvador, El Salvador. And uh, whenever I call the bank and he picks up, he's like, uh, Patricio Arredondo, how can I help you? Say, como esta, señor Patricio? Necesito hablando con Pamela. And he's like, he's like, he gets thrown off. He's like, he's like, oh, this is Assad. I just need to talk with Pamela. He's like, oh, man, you got me again. And I do that with him every time. So what's it called? Um, it's, it, you know, it's the pronunciation where if you hear a Spanish, Hispanic person say Pamela, they won't say Pamela. They'll say Pamela. So say it again. Like, just, just like you said, Honduras, right? Honduras. You say Honduras, they say saying Honduras. Yeah. Right? So yeah, yeah. yeah you got to say it right. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's not like the whole full mouth Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Puerto Rico, right? Yeah. yeah Puerto Rico. So, yeah. What's it called? Um, so what is a day in the life of Imam Abu Sumayyah like? <laughs> Hectic. Hectic. <laughs> yeah, subhanallah. You know, Akhi, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, may Allah keep me sincere, humble, and, and only dedicated Amen. to everything that we do to be dedicated for him. You know, I have, ever since I became Muslim, man, um, my passion is to work with people and be there for people. Um, you know, and, 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 and it's something that I saw in my father as well. My father was the type of individual who, Anytime somebody came to ask him something, he would never say no, right? And then when I read about the life of the Prophet, say, anytime somebody would come to the Prophet, the Prophet would never say no, right? He was always there to help you, subhanAllah, right? So that just enhanced what my father, what I was already seeing with my father, right? And, and, and I took on those attributes of wanting to be there, wanting to help humanity and wanting to learn and wanting to give back. Alhamdulillah. So really, a life, you know, my life, man, um, you know, I wake up in the morning. I got my kids. We homeschool my kids, my wife and I, um, you know, which is challenging. Inshallah, um, you know, at the same time, you know, I, I work for these two different organizations. I have my own 501c3. So, you know, I'm constantly involved in doing something throughout my day, trying to balance my day between family, work, my nonprofit, you know what I mean, or our nonprofit, you know what I mean, me and the brothers, um, and then dealing with the people's um, problems as well. I try to be one of those imams who makes himself available, um, you know, to either, you know, the adults as well as the youth. Like I remember one time I had a young boy at one of like the mass ICNA, ICNA mass conferences come up to me like, oh, brother LeBron, you know, mashallah, I heard one of your lectures, you know, it's so cool, mashallah, this and this and that, blah, 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 that's something we did for the youth. He's like, you know, can I can I, can I, I contact you? Do you have like a Facebook, whatever? I was like, yeah, take my phone number. And he was like, take your phone number. He's like, you gonna call me back? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm gonna call you back. 
I said, if you call me or you text me, I'm going to message you back and I'm going to call you back. He's like, because most imams don't do that. You know what I mean? He was a young boy. He's like 13 years old, you know? And subhanAllah, I remember the first time he texted me. I texted him back and he was like, you actually texted me back, you know, subhanAllah. So I try to make sure that, that, that I'm available, you know what I mean? Um, I don't believe in that state that, you know, you get too famous or too known or, you know what I mean? And fame shouldn't even be something for a Muslim, right? This is this is not what we're about. This is not what, what we do stuff. But that you get too big where now you can't deal with pe regular people, you know what I mean? I, I, where you come from. Subhanallah, I don't mean to cut you off, but I when I messaged you, I know I messaged you on your personal profile, and obviously you got to go through everything, and you finally messaged me back, and what's it called? I, I really appreciate it, and it's not because you're on with me, but I really do appreciate it. I've seen it in other instances where people comment on all, on your post, and you have a personal page, and then you have a like a, a, a fan page, I guess, where you go through and you reply to each and every person, and it's and it's just so amazing. And it's you know one of the one of the qualities of our beloved Prophet Muhammad and the beloved quality of one of our greatest Sahaba Hazrat Umar where they would talk with the people that if even if the the lowest of the low, like I'm not saying anybody is low, but like in ranks, the lowest of the lowest person would come. He would be a street sweeper. He wouldn't be seen as a street sweeper. He would be seen as an ummati, and he would be answered as an ummati. No, no. And and you wrote that one time. Uh, it was a post you wrote. Um, and I'm not going to take the name. Where if certain person didn't say what they said, would you pay attention to it? No. Where it goes both ways. Where the person who becomes a celebrity doesn't pay attention to the people, and the people they don't pay attention to the other ulama and the other scholars because he's not that big of a celebrity. No. No, yeah, and I think that's what balance is, you know, trying to find that balance, inshallah ta'ala. And, and you find that, subhanAllah, those are really the hearts that you can touch, right? Because the Prophet was in the business of touching hearts, minds, and souls. Yeah. And it didn't matter which, you know, you see, you know, Surah Ta'aba said, you know what I mean? When, when you know, the blind man comes, he's Ya Rasulullah, and the Prophet kind of doesn't, you know, turns him away, you know what I mean? Abdullah ibn Makhtum, right? And it's like Allah admonishes the Prophet Sallallahu for that, you know what I mean? So meaning, you know, you have to give everybody that do right, inshallah ta'ala. And I, and I try to pride myself as much as I can. And I know I still fall short of the mark, you know what I mean? And I miss things and I don't see things. And I always ask people, you know, please forgive me. And if I don't respond to you, please just send me another message because, you know, I get so busy and things are so hectic. And because you want to be that involved, sometimes, you know, even that pulls away from your family's time, you know what I mean? So yeah, sometimes even my family are like, listen, can you kind of shut the phone off for today? So like today, my, I went into the moon, shut the moon, put the moon on, on on the phone so that no phone calls come in. You know what I mean? But and then I try to pride myself where I go back and I read the messages of those people who send me messages and I try to reply back. Even, you know, Facebook has this option where they put some of your messages into like a dark mode. Yeah. Um, and these are from people who aren't friends on your Facebook, right? And then it's like if you don't remember to go into the dark mode, you never see those messages. Yeah. So every now and then I remember and I go in, it's like, oh my God, I got a hundred messages there. Yeah. So I just dedicate an hour of my time trying to kind of go through the messages. You know, I'm sorry, I didn't see this come in, you know, two, two, two weeks ago, but this is the answer, this is the solution, or this is my number, contact me. And, and that's what I try to do, try to be there for the people and remember that, you know, I was once in those shoes seeking and looking for help as well. Well, yeah, it's like, uh, what was it? What was I going to say? So, you know, I messaged you, you messaged back, Alhamdulillah. So one day I did ask you, I was like, what? you were like, I give class on this day, I give class on this day, I do this, I do this. And I'd see your other projects that are going on. So I did ask you, it's like, when do you find time to eat? <laughs> it's always on the go. It's like, you know, you're like, tell your wife, just pack my lunch, I'm going. You know, sometimes it's like that, you know, subhanAllah. But it's a work ethic I've had since before Islam. Okay. You know, before Islam, it was a work ethic I had that, you know, Alhamdulillah, 
while I was working. I try to, you know, make work with my focus in Shalatala and I would eat on the job and things of that nature. So, you know, Alhamdulillah, you know, it's the, and work, as they say, when you live out your passion, is never work. Yeah. And this is a passion. This is something that I do for the sake of Allah that we ask Allah to accept. Alhamdulillah. And I know because of all of my shortcomings um, and all of my sins and, you know what I mean, that I need to do as much as I can before I leave the face of the earth, inshallah ta'ala. And I don't know which seed that I plant that that may be the seed for me that helps me to enter paradise and gain the mercy of Allah. So I basically turn run around with, you know, two handfuls of seeds and I'm just throwing seeds all over the place trying to see, you know, what can grow, inshallah ta'ala, and benefit from it, man. Inshallah. So you're also a carpenter. Yes. Well, I'm not a, I won't call myself a carpenter. Okay. Um, what happened was, you know, I had a family member. He was a good carpenter. Okay. And, you know, he wanted to start a business. And I was like, yo, I said, you know, I'll start it up for you. I, okay. I had to get the business ID and I get the license. And, you know, what I mean, um, I'll come in and I can help you whenever I, I can. My family, a lot of my families are carp my, in my family okay. are carpenters and alhamdulillah. So I always say there's a skill in the LeBron family, you know, what I mean, that are of carpentry. I, I, thought, I thought maybe we had the imam out there putting on the <laughs> The door. But, but I do, you know, if I gotta get in there, get my hands dirty, inshallah, I've done it as well. Um, okay. yeah, but for the most part, I, I, you know, I try to pull back and say, you know, I want to remain with my focus of Islam being my 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 primary um, work. And inshallah, if I can make some money, you know, one of the things with the the scholars of old is that they always had other professions, um, you okay. know, watchmaker, carpentry, or whatever have you. And this helps you to stay balanced. And not have a need so much of the employment that you're being given, right? Because we have employer and allows me to mashallah uphold my values as a Muslim because I don't I'm not under the 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 the, the you know the 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 hammer of of a boss who says, you know, well if you don't you lose your job. It's like okay, if I don't I lose my job, okay, no problem. I got this as well. You know what I mean? Not a problem. Do what you gotta do, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm gonna hold on to the values that I think that we need well, to it's like on. it's like this week when I gave Juma. Um, I was emphasizing the fact that a lot of our brothers and sisters, brothers specifically, they come late for Juma. If they know that khutbah is at two, salah is at two fifteen, they're gonna show up at two ten, you know, to make sure that they just make it for the salah. And I said, what you know, when you come for Juma, come early. Try to come at one fifty, you know, pray some, you know, nafil, pray some sunnah, give some sadaqa, sit down, maybe recite some Quran. Get you know, get in a state of mind, you know, get your mind in that state, and then you listen to the khutbah, you learn something, then you pray the salah and have this, you know, sort of calm. I was like, when you go for work, if the boss says you have to show up at 7:30, you ain't gonna be there at 7:25. So no. you make sure you don't miss that paycheck for the week. You That's don't right. even want to miss five minutes, you know, for the chance you may get fired because no. you know the paycheck is that important. I was like, how come we're not placing that same emphasis on our ibadah, on our own spiritual well-being? You know what you gotta do, Shake? What is I'm, that? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give you the solution, man. What is that? We, we've we've done it. One 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 or two weeks shorten your khutbah. Okay. Finish at two o five. Okay. And when they walk in at two ten, they're like, "What happened?" And they're gonna get upset. I'm like, oh, this week we had a short khutbah. Perhaps you should you should have showed up at one fifty. You would have got you would have caught the salat and everything else. Now you can go pray the hood. <laughs> um, Alhamdulillah, I, I've been voluntarily doing imamat on and off in different places Over in my community, mostly for 12 years But you know, I get called to different masajid as well um, And I give the jummas and stuff like that And I said it this week when I was saying I was like, look, I'm I'm not a board member of this masjid I'm not employed by this masjid So whatever I'm saying, it's okay You know, I don't mind if you, do, if you don't like it, it's okay I apologize beforehand if you don't like it But you know, I'm not saying anything wrong 
Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. No, and, and, and I think that's that's the way it has to be. Sometimes you got to learn hard lessons, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and, I, and I tell you because, you know, even in Jahiliya, one time I had a cousin, we used to, I used to pick him up for work, right? And like, like you mentioned, we got to get to work on time. And he had the bad habit that he would come out in the shorts with his toothbrush in his mouth. And he's like, dude, you know, I get there every day at 730 on the dot. You know what I mean? So I, I told him one day, I said, I'm going to leave you one day. He's like, ah, cousin. It's my cousin. He's like, you know, yeah. it's okay, whatever. So he came one day to the door. As soon as he closed the door, I took off. <laughs> he got to work like two hours late. He's like, I can't believe you left me. I said, and I will leave you every day afterwards if you don't if you continue to do that to me in the morning. You I make I'm I'm doing you the favor, mashallah. You should be up and ready. The same thing with the with this with the khutbah. You know, you should be appreciative that Allah has this uh institution in place for you to come and get this barakah and get this reward, inshallah. Yeah. You should appreciate it. And, and one of the things which I emphasize, and uh, what's it called? I think you'll be able to associate with this, and inshallah we'll close up in the next few minutes. Um, I, I explained to people, I was like, I know a lot of the people um, of this masjid or any masajid, they come from a, a foreign you know, background, let's say. You know, mm-hmm. Pakistan, India, any Middle East nation, somewhere in Africa, you know, Northeast Africa, Southern Africa, different things like that. And I was like, I know we pride our, ourselves on giving charity overseas. It's like, and, and this is a whole system. You know, we give back. We try to help out our people overseas. You're you're from Puerto Rico. We're, we're from Pakistan, stuff like that. I was like, you have to realize, if you don't instill this iman and this Islam in your children, and and, and instilling is not meaning, you, oh, you force it down their throat, Absolutely. but give them the environment. If you don't give them this environment, tomorrow when they lose their iman and Islam, what you want to instill in them, that you want to take care of your country back home, they're going to be like, why the hell should we take care of those people? We have no association with them. The reality is they're not going back to Pakistan. Yeah. They're not going and, back to Jordan. Yeah. But but once they lose their iman in Islam, they have no connection with Islam to even help out anybody in any country who has a Muslim connection. I was like, so you have to understand it's a whole, it's like a whole pipeline. You have to make sure that there's no holes anywhere. Otherwise, when, when it leaks out from somewhere, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. SubhanAllah. You know, and, and that's why they always say charity first starts at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 I think that's that's a, another issue that our, our massages need to start to repair and to fix. Um, if we want to go ahead and fix our image, then we just have to be a part of America. You know, when I used to work for Islam in Spanish um, from 2013 to 2017, they used to do a uh, sensitivity training workshop. And part of that workshop was that we would ask, you know, we would do a live training with people in the masjid. And we would actually do role playing, right? And one of the questions that would be asked during that role playing session is, "What have you given back to America? You've come here, you've earned money, you've earned your wealth, you got your degree, you got your big house in the suburbs, you drive your Mercedes Benz, but you haven't done anything in America. You haven't established the park, you haven't established the school. And when I say school, I'm not talking about an Islamic school. Yeah, about a university, a college, you know what I mean? A community college, any of these things. You haven't established a hospital, a medical center, right? These are things that the Jewish people and the Christian people and the Catholics are heavily invested in, right? So if the Muslim comes in now, starts to invest in these things, alhamdulillah. And we always say, you know, I remember I think Hamza Yusuf many years ago had said, you know, if all of the Muslim doctors were to leave, America would probably be, be, be left with only half of their doctors, right? Because we yeah. have so many Muslim doctors, right? You're telling me that all of those Muslim doctors can't come together and say, let's establish one awesome, you know what I mean, hospital, you know what I mean, that's going to, mashallah, have a charitable side to it and, mashallah, be able to show this beautiful face of Islam. We can do it. 
But the problem is that, you know, maybe either we don't want to do it, we don't want to make that our focus, and we just want to play defense all of the time, you know, and wait till something happens. Like, no, 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 we're not like that. Instead of playing offense and saying, no, we are here to be a part of the society. And we tell people often, we know that you came here with the intention not to stay, right? A lot of them came here, I'm going to come make money, and then I'll go back home, inshallah ta'ala. But now you've raised one generation of youth here, you're raising your grandchildren here, right? And more than likely, you're never going back home. That's the reality. So now it's time to invest in the country that you've decided to stay in, inshallah ta'ala. And this is what the Muslims did. When the companions went somewhere, they invested in that place and they built that place and they established that place and they established Islam there. Alhamdulillah. And then you see the growth of Islam and the beauty of Islam in those places. And I think we can do the same in America, inshallah ta'ala. Inshallah, inshallah. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. Um, any, any final advice? Oh, yeah. One thing is right now we're doing a clothing drive for Somalia. So last year I wasn't working for Helping Hand. So one of the things which we did is we were doing a clothing drive for Tanzania. So a lot of us friends, we got together and we purchased 100 sets of cleats for mm -hmm. the youth over there, the orphans, so on and so forth. And a lot of people asked me a question. Why are you doing this? You know, you could buy them some, you know, supplies or school supplies, some, some basics. I said, look, they're, they're poor, they're orphans. They're not going to get this sort of, you know, special gift. I was like, but if your kid asked you for a PlayStation 4, you'd buy him a PlayStation 5. I was like, how come we can't get these kids these things? So what we're actually doing right now is um, some of my friends, they purchased soccer balls. And inshallah, I'm going to be purchasing some as well. We're trying to get to 100, you know, soccer balls, and we're going to be sending them to Somalia. So okay. we purchased Puma soccer balls. Um, I told my friends, purchase these ones. They're good. They're on a deal. They were like $10 a piece, brand new Puma soccer balls. So so whenever we do something, we should always try to do the best. And I saw what, you know, when you guys did with the three Puerto Rican imams, you brought in the truck, you bought the trailer, you did all that. And Alhamdulillah, you guys did the best you guys could. And that was so impressive. No. So uh, give us some advice that all of us can use. And inshallah, we'll close off with, you know, the advice inshallah. No, Alhamdulillah, like you mentioned, you know, inshallah, when you see a need, inshallah, try to fulfill that need. Um, and as you mentioned, try to be, when you fulfill the need, try to do the best you can and give those people the best that you can, inshallah ta'ala. Um, and it's often, oftentimes why, you know, people, even with the clothing drives and things of the nation, Muslims like, you know, I can donate our stuff. And it's like, no, no, we don't want you to use stuff. We want to be yeah. able to give the people good stuff, inshallah ta'ala. Yeah. We want to give them new sneakers. We want to give them new pants. We want to give them new coats, inshallah ta'ala. And, and one of the things I tell people, there's a lot of goodness still left in people, right? All you have to go out and seek the goodness so if you go into these different stores even some of these big you know clothing stores you go into a marshall's and the likes inshallah ta'ala and you tell them this is what i want to do um and this is this is what i have and i'm a 501c3 you'll find a lot of times they'll themselves donate some as a, a charity from their organization and they'll give you discounts with the rest inshallah ta'ala you know i i was telling brothers uh, just the other day in an interview you know locally i went to a big sea uh, town supermarket and, I, and I, you know, Latino owners. And I said, listen, you know, this is this was when we were trying to do the, the stuff for the elderly. I yep. said, we're trying to do some stuff for the elderly. All I'm looking for is a discount. I don't want a handout because you have to make money. And I believe in the businessman making money. Yep. So we want to support you. You know what I mean? But if you can give us a discount, 5%, 10%, whatever it may be, we greatly appreciate it because it's going back to the community. Yep. You know, I showed up with my car. And this guy, he comes out with a forklift and a big pallet of stuff. And I was like... Like, you know, what is this? You know, and how much am I going to owe you? He was like, that's free for you, Imam. Take it. You know what I mean? We want to show that we are also a community-orientated 
supermarket that we want to give back to the community and just please let the elderly know that this came from us for them, inshallah. So kind of, you know, go and look at these different resources, man, inshallah, and you'll be surprised that even if you think you don't have money, but if you're sincere, first and foremost, and you're doing it for Allah, and you have tawakkul in Allah, and you trust in Allah, wallahi, and you make istighfar, Allah will send down right uh, wealth and charity to you as he sends down the rain, inshallah ta'ala. And then you go out and you reach out to people and you try to collaborate with people in different organizations and you'll see that, mashallah, you'll be able to carry out all of that good that you want to do, mashallah, ta'ala. Mashallah. To do it for the sake of Allah. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. That was, that was, mashallah, that was beautiful. Um, and, and like I said, at the beginning, you know, obviously it was, you know, we wanted, I wanted to go over some of the finer points of, you know, the Latin American or the Hispanic experience. But like I said, you're a scholar. So the main thing was to get as much benefit as we can from you. Inshallah, I look forward to you know talking with you again, and Inshallah, we'll we'll schedule and try to see if Inshallah we can talk about another topic in the future. I have some scholars coming on. We're going to be talking about sexual education in the Muslim community. We're going to be talking about um, domestic violence. There's a lot of topics we're going to be talking about, and one of the things which you actually um, placed a little bit of emphasis on was the youth and how to uh, you know work with them. And I actually had one of my friends. He's a scholar from Atlanta. Mufti mm. Samir, he came on a few weeks ago and we spoke about that as well. And there's not enough time being spent on it. So Jazakallah Khair for your well, time, yeah. for you know, for your time, taking time away from your family. Really thank your, your the sister, your wife, and your kids. You know, no, you gave me your time. Jazakallah Khair. And, 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 and before, before you, you you close off, inshallah ta'ala, you could put the three Puerto Rican imams down for 50 soccer balls, man. Jazakallah Khair. Okay. That you know that's that's great, Sheikh. You know, just thank you so much, Jazakallah. Um,